Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome back to Real Estate Investing Hot Trends. I'm Arthur and today we bring you another exciting episode of the current hot trends affecting the real estate industry. Let's just give everybody a minute to settle down. You know, you might want to prepare your early dinner, a cup of coffee, you know, a glass of juice, whatever you have there, you know, we want you to sit back, relax, and enjoy. And while you're doing that, allow me to share my screen because we'd like to show you our upcoming speakers for the show. All right. So here we are today with our amazing speaker, Max Willey. We had him before with us, and he gave us some tips, amazing tips about rental properties, doing and it was a few months ago, and here he is back to give us tips for first-time real estate investors. And, um, you know, it's very important that first-time real estate investors are guided, especially during this time, because we've had this experience in 2008 during the housing bubble. You know, everybody, everything was crazy during the time. You know, there was a dip um, uh, financially uh, all across the board. But after after the, the, the housing bubble, you know, everything was just going up. And those who were able to ride the wave, you know, as um, things get got back to normal sometime in 2010, 2011, you know, some really made a lot of money during the time. And that was considered a black swan event. And the same can be said about this year's pandemic. You know, the coronavirus just came out of nowhere and everybody simply plunged, you know, the stock market and of course the jobs. And uh, as far as real estate is concerned, you know, we've, we've been very stable. And however, um, we do expect a lot of increases right after this pandemic. So as we get back to normal, jobs are going to be generated, companies are going to be coming back, and a lot of people, um, you know, will be uh, getting back to, to acquiring houses for their own or probably, you know, to expand their, their um, financial making capabilities. And we want the first timers, you know, in investing real estate to be able to ride that wave. And this is one of the reasons why we're having this topic today. And for the next four weeks, we'd all also like to share with you um, the following speakers. For next week, we're going to be having Michael Plax, and he's going to be talking about tax-free wealth. Is it a myth or reality? So that's something to look forward to. And on November 5, we're going to have Mr. Paul Fink back to the show, and he's going to be talking about negotiations, riches, Stop losing thousands on each deal. We had him a few months back, and we've had a positive response in that. And we're looking forward, you know, to be learning more from Paul Fink about negotiations. And on November 12, our next speaker is Mr. Michael Sito with the topic, The Future of Foreclosures. I guess there's going to be a slight difference after the pandemic about how to deal with foreclosures. And we're going to get it right straight from one of our experts. And on number 19, we have Mr. Noel Christopher. And he's going to be talking about why single-family rental investing is right for small investors. So if you're just beginning with one to five units, um, I think this is, this is perfect for, for, for small-time or beginning investors. And we're looking forward to having Mr. Noel Christopher to the show. All right. So if you're new to Zoom... 
We're going to be having a lot of interaction today. So for those of you who would like to say something, comment, you know, just write it down into the chat box below. Or if you have a question, but we prefer that questions be made either in the Q&A portion, which is going to be in the last 10 minutes of the show. Or if you have a question right then and there, just simply click the Q&A button, and our speaker will be able to see your questions right away. And all throughout, we will be um, you know, launching polls, and we'd like to know you better. So the polls will give us an idea on who our listeners are. So let's officially begin. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. Welcome to Real Estate IQ, number one in deal finding. And welcome to the webinar, Real Estate Investing Contracts. I'm Arthur, and thank you all for being with us this afternoon. And this is our agenda for today. We're currently doing the introduction. And in a short while, I'll be showing you the current hot trends. And later on, we'll be having a very special video with Steve Minutes by Steve Liang, CEO of Real Estate IQ. And later on, we're going to be having our main topic for today, tips for first-time real estate investors to be presented by Maxwell Lee, co-founder of Glocal Network. And the last 10 minutes will be dedicated for online networking time and question and answer portion. So for those of you who are new to the show, who are we? Well, Real Estate IQ is a technology and data company focused on creating work from home automated systems for the real estate investment community. So for those of you who continue to work to search for your next big deal in real estate, we might just have what you're looking for. Our vision, you know, success in life is all about positioning. And it has been said that this pandemic will allow millions of dollars change hands. So for those who are prepared, you know, definitely you're going to be having a share of that. Those who come, you know, ill-prepared, you know, um, it's going to be, it's going to be a, little, a, little, a little difficult. So to stay on top of market trends so we can position ourselves to take full advantage, that's why we have this array of speakers so that they can share to us their experience and we get to benefit from that. And to nurture online networking and build strong relationships. Our mission is freedom, and success. Our company core values, integrity, the quality of being honest, being trustworthy, and having strong moral principles. Growth-oriented, it is the belief that you can learn more or get better through hard work, dedication, and perseverance. And champion mindset, we all know that champions harbor the ability to cope with setbacks and obstacles, and they have a strong will to succeed. And these are the qualities our company stands for. And these are our work from home automated systems. First up, we have the deal analysis with unlimited comps. So if you'd like to compare properties according to location or size or budget, you know, this is for you. If you'd like to go one notch higher, that's deal finding, you can make and find your own deals with over 45,000 motivated seller leads. Up next, we have premium with skip trace emails, phone numbers. All you need to do is grab the phone, you know, contact your potential next property, and you're good to go. And finally, our latest offering, we have the CRM, or the Customer Relationship Management. If you already have a system in place and you'd like to expand and you're looking for additional personnel, like, you know, virtual assistants, um, someone to do uh, your bookkeeping, you know, give us a call and we might be able to help you out find the right person for your team. 
and 10 times the growth ever since our founders um, established Real Estate IQ seven years ago. They've always been thinking to give 10 times the value of whatever they receive. And that's why we're giving, you know, 10 times everything in return. We are offering over 70 webinars per month, and many of, the, many of them are actually free. And we have 2,500 RSVPs per month in our events. We have 12,000 active members and over 60,000 community members. And currently, REIQ enjoys about 150 employees as we poise ourselves for the national expansion. So these are currently the teams we have in the company. We have the front and back end development team, data aggregation, technology operations, marketing, lead generation, sales and customer success, customer service team. We have the finance and accounting team, investor relations, merger and acquisitions, analytics, human resources, and training team. So come and join the REIQ community with free membership. All you need to do is register at www.realestateiq.co. I would like to invite you to our other webinars. For those of you who are new here, this webinar, the Investing Hot Trends, is done weekly. So this is once a week, and that's every Thursday at 5 o'clock CDT. We have another show that's done every Wednesday. That's also 5 o'clock CDT, and that's the Successful Habits Book Club. If you love books, if you love reading, this show is for you. And currently, we're talking about a classical book called um, Think and Grow Rich, written and authored by Napoleon Hill. It's amazing. So if you'd like to learn more about that, come and join us next week. And once a month, we do have the show, The Geeks and Nerds in Real Estate by Joseph De La Cruz, our Chief Technology Officer, where he presents the latest technologies affecting the real estate industry. Coming in our passive program, stay on top of things in the real estate IQ community, fits, networking opportunities, etc. All you need to do is go to our site at realestateiq.co slash invest with us. And disclaimer, all information is intended for educational purposes only. We do not offer investment, financial, or legal advice. So here we are with this week's current hot trends. Now, we are very much appreciative of your feedback, and we're currently putting in new trends every week so that we will be able to see a holistic picture of what's going on with the economy. The current trends affecting the economy and the real estate industry, you know, this is truly an, an unprecedented time. And the best way to get prepared is to be informed and get informed at all times. The U.S. economy is projected to improve the second half of 2020 after the onset of the coronavirus pandemic in March, resulting in a U-shaped recession marked by a relatively sharp decline and recovery. So let's go ahead and have our first Charts. So this one is coming from new residential construction. So we have new home sales. Sales of new single family houses in August 2020, we're at a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1,011,000 units, according to estimates released jointly today 
or that was um, you know a, f- a few days ago, according to estimates released jointly by the U.S. Census Bureau and the Department of Housing and Urban Development, the median sales price of new houses sold in August was at three hundred twelve thousand dollars and the average sales price was at around 369 dollars so you see there building permits housing starts well the beginning of the construction and we have housing completions and let's get a historical graph on that so here it is so you're seeing there um, the data from september 2015 all the way to September 2020. And as you can see, there's a big dip right there um, that happened about the second quarter of this year, and that's due to the pandemic. But good enough, um, it it seems to have recovered. So right now, um, we have about 1,500,000 units you know, applying for building permits. And about 1,415,000 of that has already begun construction. And amazingly, uh, housing completion has gone to 1,413,000 units. So looks like the pandemic has really, um, you know, encouraged a lot of people to, to start getting their own homes. And whether it's for business or for, for their actual residential use, you know, it's, it, this is good for the industry. All right. And these are our data for the rental vacancy rates. As of the second quarter of 2020, overall rental vacancy rates by region are statistically lower from the rate last year. So on the average 2019, that's indicated by the color blue, that's an average of 6.8%. And we have for this year, though it has not finished yet, but on the average, that's about 5.7%. So the vacancy rates has gone down. Um, Well, of course, um, there's a lot of factors coming in. One is the pandemic and the other one, we have the moratorium. So uh, it's going to be to see how this goes on in the coming months. And we have the home ownership rates. Home ownership rate is the second period in 2019, 7.9%. So that's 3% higher than last year. And we now have the new residential sales. So new houses sold as of August 2020 is at 1,011,000 and new houses for sale, 282,000 and the median sales price is at 312,000 and that's for August 2020. Again, you see there the dip because of the pandemic. And business applications, you know, this is good news. There's a chart at the bottom part of um, the map. And as you can see, it's been stable for the past years. And up until recently, 2019, it started going up. And despite the pandemic, you know, we still enjoy a lot of, um, you know, business applications. So as of week 41 of 2020, total business applications is at 87,500. And it's compared to the last year, increase of 38.8%. One of who connected Texas business stations is at 7,620, and that's about 34 year change. 
All right. And let's move on to another industry, the U.S. manufacturing, you know, and this is their quarterly after tax profits. For the quarter of 2020, we're at $47.2 billion, and compared that to the the first quarter where we had 13 billion, so that's that's a big dip. From the first quarter, about 100 plus billion. You know, we can we can really see the the enormous effect of the pandemic. The year second quarter at 136.3 billion. And let's look at that um, that data through a chart. So here you're seeing. Uh, um, a five-year where we have the blue as the first quarter, the light blue second quarter, we have the purple third quarter, and we have the magenta or pink for the fourth quarter. Um, you can see that the second quarter of this year, that's a huge dip right there. And that's uh, um, because of the pandemic. And, um, you know, with, with, with things going back to normal, hopefully we'll be able to see some improvements for the third and fourth quarters. And right now, how about let's talk about how to become a better investor, entrepreneur, and a better person overall. So friends, here's the co-founder and CEO of Real Estate IQ, Mr. Steve Yang. Hi, today I wanna to talk about energy. Um, and uh, for the sake of time, let's focus on our personal energy. Uh, this pandemic, I think it has affected us a lot. I've been um, meeting with a lot of folks online, a little bit in person. Um, and what I noticed is that when we are kind of stuck at home most of the day, we're not getting the sun as much. We're not out exercising as much. Uh, our natural level of energy goes down. I have experienced that up, this up and down uh, these past six months. In the beginning, I had a lot of energy. I was paying a lot of attention to what I eat, uh, how I work out, uh, how much outdoor sun that I could get. And it was um, kind of springtime, you know, so it was nice to be outside. We we're here in Texas, so um, spring and fall is the best time to be out. Uh, and then when the summer came, I couldn't go out it's so hot. Uh, and I realized that my energy just cool. It came all the way down. Um, and uh, uh, personally, my energy level was low uh, just because I'm not getting enough sun. I'm not going outside. I'm not playing. Uh, I'm not able to kind of recuperate and uh, recruit my energy. Uh, and that affects every aspect of my work, uh, especially uh, when I'm meeting with our team, you know, when you're the leader, especially if you're a leader of a team, you need to pay a lot of attention to the energy that you project, especially through the screen. You know, the more energy that you can give to your team, uh, it, the more uh, they're gonna receive it. And uh, as a leader, everybody looks up to you and um, they're gonna see all your flaws. <laughs> um, and so, man, if you're low energy, man, they're gonna pick that up. And then all of a sudden, you are bringing the energy down uh, of your team. And that's not a position that you wanna be. Uh, so I, I kind of recognize that even in the summer. So I try to give as much energy as I can um, uh, uh, during our meetings, but I could tell that you know, it's kind of draining because I didn't have a way to renew my personal energy. <laughs> the, 
there you have it. Thank you so much, Steve. Yeah, personal energy is really, really important. You know, it sometimes is very contagious. So if you come to the workplace with full of energy, chances are you're going to infect your colleagues with that energy and you're going to become more productive. So let's continue with our slides. So right now, we're moving on to our main topic for today, and that's tips for first-time real estate investors. And here we are. Our speaker for today, you know, began his company in 2015 with his wife, Kelly, and co-founded Local Network, a real estate investment company. They live in Miami, Florida, and live by the FIRE principle. And that stands for financially independent, retired early. Who wouldn't want that? We all want to retire early. He manages aspects of their rental portfolio and happily share advice regarding the overall processes, you know, asset classes, joint venture agreements, markets, submarkets, and so forth. So friends, ladies and gentlemen, our speaker for today, here's Mr. Maxwell Lee. Hello, hello. Thanks, Arthur. <laughs> it's been a couple months, so I'm a little rusty and not, uh, <laughs> not on top of the tech here. Um, thank you for that. Uh, real quick, I just want to correct you on something, Arthur. Um, I, I'm, if anybody has any questions at any time, just throw them out there. We don't need to wait to the end. Um, that's kind of, uh, I like doing these sort of AMA open conversations because then I don't have to necessarily prepare as much. <laughs> All right. I'll, so you can interrupt me at any time, um, put something in that chat box down there. And if, uh, if I see it, I'll, I'll address it. Or if, um, if Arthur sees it, he can let me know. And we can just tackle the questions as we go. Um, I have a short little presentation that I'm, I really don't want to do it, but I guess I need to give you sort of a background of myself and, and some idea, some clue of why you'd even care to ask me any questions. Uh, so I'll do that um, first and I'll try to be as brief as I can. And again, I need to figure out if I'm sharing my screen correctly. So here we go. All right, so yeah, like uh, Arthur said, I started a company with my wife in 2013 in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, this is my hometown. And uh, sort of the impetus for it was that my wife was not really happy in her corporate job. She'd been thinking about quitting for, for a long time. Um, and it's tough because, you know, she was, she was really successful. She was doing well. So it's, it's tough to, um, to kind of pull that, make that decision, take that leap. But uh, we decided if she was going to do that, we'd start a real estate company, start investing in Jacksonville. Um, and so... Uh, give sort of give her something to do and sort of a cushion. If we could get rental properties and have some cash flow, then she'd feel more comfortable leaving her job, right? So she did that. And in the span of less than two weeks, she left her job. She moved with me to Jacksonville, which is like 750 miles away from Washington, D.C., where we were. And, uh, and we got married all in the span of uh, less than two weeks. So it was a, it was a big move for her. Um, I was pretty comfortable with Jacksonville. Actually, I was sort of like living between Jacksonville and DC. So it wasn't as big of a transition for me. Um, and when we started the company, uh, we, 
we it was just the two of us so we really did everything but she tried to focus on sort of managing all the projects the rehabs we were doing and she was she became a realtor as well so she did that for all of our investments i was more focused on buying and sort of working with our partners and investors so um we were in jacksonville i don't know if any of you guys were watching the markets back then but we were just very fortunate that I knew Jacksonville very well. I was pretty well connected in the city and um, Jacksonville was just a super hot investor market. We had people from all over the country, just even just like cold calling us, messaging us, wanting to learn more about the market. And then a lot of people ended up working with us too that way. So it really, really was um, a good place to be at that time. Um, Let's see, moving on. Uh, when we got started, we, we started with our own capital, invested in a few rehabs to hold onto. And then once we'd gone through that cycle with several properties, then we started um, bringing in partners who, like I said, there are a lot of people who are interested in investing in rental properties at the time. And once we did that, we also did our own flip. And once we were comfortable enough with uh, doing that, then we started to JV and have other partners and investors doing that with us. And we did a little bit of everything. As you can see, we got properties from MLS, foreclosures, um, properties from wholesalers, from the auction sites like HubZoo and auction.com, uh, courthouse auctions subject to, we purchased um and assumed mortgages that way, um, vacant lots. We did all kinds of rehabs for traditional rental. We also did short-term rental. I just mentioned that because that's something that um, we, <laughs> we get into a lot in the future, but uh, we also did rehabs for investors, which is kind of, I guess, sort of a turnkey sort of thing. We weren't really a turnkey provider, but uh, we did um, at least fix up properties and sell them to investors when they had already spoken to us about what they wanted. Uh, we did flips to owner occupants as well. So like a retail flip, did some new construction, land contracts, condos, single family, multifamily. As you can see, we, we did a little bit of everything I like to say. So I have some experience in, in all kinds of um, real estate investing endeavors, uh, private lending and crowdfunded projects as well. So. Um, Later on in 2017, we started investing in Indianapolis. Uh, this was mostly brought on by the fact that there were a lot of hurricanes uh, in Florida. And um, after sort of a third year of like being really worried about it, and there was another very, very close call, we decided let's, um, let's do a little di geographic di diversity. So we, uh, so we, we looked for a new, a new market to invest in. And eventually in 2017, we started investing in Indianapolis, uh, Chicago in 2018. And I, again, I, I just point that out because I do, um, answer a lot of questions and talk about the experience of, long distance investing, we, you know, we, we did that. We helped other people do that a lot in Jacksonville. And then we went through that process ourselves. So um, I, I'm happy to talk about that. Uh, oops, I skipped over the short-term rentals. Like I mentioned, um, we had a brief experience with the hosting on Airbnb in 2014. Uh, but then later on, but that wasn't really, you know, the plan at all. And then later on in 2017, uh, 
was the first time that we actually brought one of our uh, investment properties onto a short-term rental listing. Uh, we did that for the first time in quarter two of 2017. And then by the beginning of this year, we were up to eight units on uh, Airbnb. Um, but, you know, it's something that you always want to, to reevaluate. And after the pandemic and subsequent um, um, difficulties, I guess I'll say, then we kind of rebalanced it back down to right now we, we have five units that are short-term rentals. So uh, that's just something to watch, something to adjust. Um, our first Airbnb in 2017, it's kind of a funny story, I guess, that we, we didn't plan and we never planned on investing uh, in properties to, to put up as short-term rentals, but it, it, we kind of stumbled into it. And, and I actually have a video of that on my YouTube about how that happened, but um, yeah, it was not intentional. And I think it was, it was, it was definitely a good thing. So um, 2020 COVID, like I said, there's been uncertainty. Actually this, this slide was from a few months ago, short-term rental bookings have definitely picked up. So it's not quite as, um, it's not quite as bad as it was back in, you know, June, July. Uh, but, but still we, we, you know, it was, it was more stress, more work for me to, to continue with so many short-term rental properties, which is why we, we kind of went back down to five and, uh, and then at the end exit strategy, remember to always have an exit strategy for every property you invest in. Uh, this is just a little play on that. My, my wife really wasn't fulfilled in the real estate endeavors. So she left our business in 2017 to pursue other stuff. And, and now I have over the last year, um, I've kind of followed her lead. Um, we started to sell off some of our port portfolio in 2018. And, and now at this point in 2020, I'm mostly not the, I, I spend a few hours a week um, on sort of managing our portfolio, uh, but for the most part, the property management and, and our team who runs the short-term rentals, they, they handle everything for the most part and I kind of check in every couple of days. So, so then I'm able to pursue my passions. Um, I, I was a musician at one time, feels like, uh, a lifetime ago. And that's kind of something that I'm focused on now. I'm launching, relaunching my YouTube channel and my, my music channel uh, this uh, tomorrow, actually. And then I have a podcast about cities because uh, that's another passion of mine, urban planning and cities. And then my firewalking journey. So that's a third YouTube channel, my firewalking journey channel, which is actually something that I think um, would be helpful to a lot of beginning real estate investors because I do talk, I, I spend a lot of time talking about um, real estate investing on that channel. So I just launched that channel last week and I posted the link in the chat so that if you want, you can check it out. So um, that's it. That's it uh, for the intro. I don't know if, uh, if there's any questions, if not, I'll just get into the, there's a handful of things that I thought about. Um, when it came to, I guess for me, the question actually was posed, um, what would I, in my head at least, was what would I do differently if I was 
starting again or if I was going to, um, you know, advise myself, um, when I was just starting, you know, seven, seven and a half years ago. So, yeah, so, so I came up with just five, five, five things that I would really, um, want to know if I was beginning again. Um, and so, you know, this may not be super comprehensive, but it's just the things that really stood out to me. Um, number one, uh, and, and this is sort of a personal thing <laughs> is to get, get very organized, you know, and have impeccable bookkeeping. Cause to me, um, that's, that, that's a big challenge for me. I'm pretty terrible at that. And my wife, also is not very good at that. So we didn't really have somebody who was staying on top of that. And, and, you know, if, if that's not an issue for you, then excellent. But if, if it, if you think that might be a challenge for you as well, then really stay on top of it from the beginning, you'll save yourself hours and hours of frustration in the future. And, and I guess what I mean by bookkeeping, um, and being organized with that, um, there, there's a few different things. Um, you know, obviously you definitely want to, to keep track of your expenses, um, keep track of the receipts that you need to, to hold on to, um, and, and definitely have those expenses nailed down by property. Uh, but also, uh, mileage, uh, mileage. I, I went through several different mileage apps cause it was, it wasn't, I, I never found a very good, um, it took me a while to find sort of a good rhythm for that. But if you, um, if you're driving a lot to different properties and different sites, uh, definitely spending just like 30 seconds each time. So, you know, several minutes a day, uh, just to log where you, where you're going and what your mileage uh, driven was that, that that's huge because it adds up uh, and it's, it's definitely something, um, you know, something you can deduct. And so that it, it, it's helpful. Um, and then also all of your repairs, uh, you want to keep track of all the repairs, for each property and keep all of the warranty information, things like that. Cause you know, once <laughs> a few years later, when you, you might want to find, um, you might want to look up some of this information or find the warranties and registration. And, uh, if it's not organized, it'll be frustrating. I can tell you. So that, that to me just stands out for me personally. That was the one thing that I definitely would want to do better at. Um, number two, I, uh, and I, I think this goes, I, I hear this a lot. And so I, I really, I really agree with it is to, um, just start as soon as possible. Cause for me, I, I took, uh, <laughs> I spent years, uh, thinking about it and not actually doing it. And it was really my wife that kind of got us into it. And, um, if it weren't for her, I, you know, I may still be just thinking about it and I wouldn't be, uh, you know, where I am now. So, um, sooner is better just because you can learn and you know it's, it's like uh obviously if if we're in a down cycle um it'd be better to it'd be better better to invest when when property prices are lower a bit depressed but you know you it, you can't really uh timing it isn't a science right it's just like the stock market so um if you're really planning to be in it for the long haul then then just get started as soon as you can. I mean, I don't want you to jump at something that's not um, a good deal and, you know, or something that doesn't fit you and or that you're kind of stretching for, but if it makes sense, um, then don't, don't wait, don't hesitate. 
you know, don't, don't try and come up with other reasons why, why maybe it'll be better to do it later. Um, and, you know, and, and if I had started um, just a few years earlier, then it would have been so much better for us. Of course, that's because of the market and all that. But yeah, I mean, I really do wish I had gotten started when I was ready rather than waiting longer and longer until I, I was sort of, you know, extremely, extremely comfortable because I didn't, I didn't need to wait that long. Um, number three is, uh, is, is the idea of house hacking. And I, you know, I know it's very popular. And so I think it's, it's pretty obvious to say, but I, I would definitely, um, try to focus on that. We, we did end up sort of house hacking. We had a triplex that we lived in, um, but that was unintentional. Um, it just, it, you know, it just worked out and it made sense, but I really, you know, if you can have the opportunity to uh, house hack, and what I mean by that, if you, if you don't know, is um, if you live in, if you can purchase a multifamily property and live in one unit and rent out the others, or really if you just um, can rent out other bedrooms in your in in the place that you live in, um, it's. I feel like that, um, even if it's not something you want to do long-term, even if you don't feel super comfortable having roommates, if you can, it's definitely a, a way to start because that, 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 that gives you a little bit more security, a bit, uh, a big boost in the cash flow, And so just using that strategy in the beginning and really thinking that way, I think it makes a big difference um, when you're getting started. Um, along sort of with that, number four is to, uh, is to, to use leverage and get a mortgage, um, or, and also with that is keeping your job. If you have a job that you, that pays you well and that you can, uh, and you can stand to keep, um, my, yeah, like I mentioned, my wife, she, she quit her job. And so we, we didn't have that borrowing power and it would have been great if, um, you know, she quit her job. I actually started working part-time instead of full-time when we started our company. So we didn't, we didn't really have the opportunity to leverage in the beginning, like we should have, like if we had planned better, if we had gotten started sooner. So, um, so that's, to me, that's number four. If you can do that, if you're in that position, definitely get things going while you have that, um, income from a job. Um, so somebody, Anitra said, could you share insights on the financial gains, profitability of your investment ventures, ROI? Um, I guess the general point of that question is sort of the, the broad ROI numbers, I guess. Uh, I don't know if you if you can help me out and be a little bit more specific, but I'll, I'll just you know I'll just talk about that if if that's what you mean. Um, yeah, we were we were usually buying rental properties that would be um, in the around the one point five percent monthly rent to acquisition and rehab costs if you're familiar with those terms like two percent rule one percent rule so like our first round we were buying properties around 50 to 60k in jacksonville that were yielding rents around like um 850 to 950 a month um and then when we flipped 
our flips were usually um, we were targeting around a 20% profit um, from the flips. So um, the overall, after all the expenses, after all the costs, um, usually about a 20% profit. Um, that usually didn't happen. It was usually closer to um, 15%, a little bit less than 20 usually is what happened. But, but our, um, that's what we would go into it, hoping for, expecting. And then if things went wrong, which usually happened, then that would cut into that profit number. Um, so yeah, okay, hope that, hope that covered that. Um, and just to circle back to the last thing I was gonna say, number five, and I think three, four, and five are all kind of similar for me. The fifth thing that I, I wish I had focused on, I kind of alluded to it earlier was Airbnb or short-term renting. Um, I think that uh, I could have been more strategic and really um, gone at it harder in the beginning um, with the idea of um, putting some of our rental properties up on short-term as short-term rentals. Um, so it just would have, um, it, for some properties, you know, uh, there's a, the clear advantage is you get better uh, returns, better cash flow with the short-term rental. And it, that's not always the case. So it just depends on the property and you have to kind of identify which ones are better. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think if I had known from the beginning, I would have been more strategic that way. Um, and short-term rentals, I would say for us, and this is going to change depending on your market and where, you know, it, it resorts, um, vacation rentals, I think are a very different kind of beast than what we were in, which was just sort of a general, a normal sort of business rental kind of market, not, you know, uh, not not some some resort town somewhere where the where the daily rate is super high, but you have very low occupancy during the week. Um, for us, we're pretty much rented out on, on short term rentals. We're pretty much rented out every every single night. Um, but you know our prices are it's just more like a business travel kind of clientele. So um, for us, we. I'd say it averages out to be about 25% higher profit than the traditional rental number. Um, that's taking into account all the, all the higher expenses for short-term rental. So um, anyway, uh, I, I think that, that's all I, that's all I had prepared to talk about. Um, so to recap one more time, sorry, I don't have a visual or graphics for you guys, but um, organization and bookkeeping number two, starting, starting as soon as it makes sense for you. Um, three, house hacking. Four, um, using leverage, getting mortgages, uh, keeping a salaried job if you have that. And then number five, short-term rental. Okay, thank you for that, Max. Um, we will go ahead and take some time for another question. It's from um, Benjamin. For a first-time investor, what are the most important things you should focus on when trying to acquire a property? Hmm. Most important things. Um, yeah, you you want to make sure you're <laughs> you, you've got all the bases covered. Um, so uh, definitely know what your long-term goal is. Because um, each of these steps that you're taking, um, 
could lead you down different paths because there's so many different ways to sort of build a business in real estate investing. So, um, so you definitely want to kind of have an overall idea of what your goal is five years, you know, three years, five year window. Um, and then, and then take the steps to get to that goal, you know? Um, so, so that, that's the first thing I would say, cause I don't want somebody to, you know, get into, get into investing, thinking that it's, I don't know, for like somebody who just wants to do, do something passive and leverage, you know, they like their job, they make a lot of money and then they want to kind of invest it wisely. Um, if that's your plan, then you may not want to get too, too into like doing massive rehabs and flipping. Cause that's going to, that's going to really take your time if you're going to be hands-on, you know, things like that. So just, just think about your overall larger goals. Um, and then, and then definitely, definitely, at least, especially in the beginning, be cautious. Um, this might run counter to what I was just saying about not waiting too long, but, but you definitely, definitely don't want to just jump into it without being prepared. So, um, especially in the beginning, make sure you're consulting all the right people. You probably do want to get inspections, um, on properties, um, it's just funny how I'm saying that. Like, for example, for us, we we didn't get very many inspections for our properties. And uh, and that's because a lot of the properties we were doing were like full gut, full rehab. So there wasn't any point necessarily. Um, but yeah, if you're just starting and you want to make sure you don't get into a situation that you weren't expecting, then, you know, just just make sure you're prepared, be cautious. And then along in that same vein, I definitely want to say to have cash reserves because you don't want to get stuck in a place where something there need, there's some kind of major rehab capital expense that you can't pay for. So, uh, or, or an extended vacancy that you're not expecting. So definitely that's, that comes with being prepared is having the cash reserves to be able to cover several months of, of, of no rent. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, we hope that um, we have, uh, Max answered your question, Benjamin. So another question from Margie Serna. Did you pay a property manager for short-term rental? If so, what did you pay or you think is reasonable? Okay. Um, the... Uh, I don't feel like I have an authoritative answer on this. Um, I, I've, I'm kind of watching as well to kind of see what the market sort of settles on because it's, it's somewhat new. You know, you know we've had norm, traditional property managers have been around for decades, right? And so business is established and how it works is established um, in short-term rentals. It was, it hasn't been that established. And on top of that, what different, companies or individuals offer the service that they offer varies quite a bit some are pretty much take care of everything and you're totally hands off while others just kind of manage certain aspects and expect you to kind of still oversee um the larger picture so so with that said um we we did short-term rental for a while in chicago and um we were paying 20 percent and I feel like 20 to 25, 20 to 25% was the norm, depending on what 
again, what exactly the service is covered. So we were at 20% um, and our property, and, and that was, that, that was like sort of a discount because that person was beginning their business. Um, and, and I honestly, I feel like we, if 20% is a little bit low, then I feel like we got what we paid for because it wasn't that great. Uh, but it, you know, of course it may have just been the circumstance and not on the management. Um, so, so yeah, 20 to 25% was kind of the figure. Um, in Jacksonville, which is the majority of our short-term rental experience that is managed in-house. So we, I can't exactly say like a percentage, but we just, we, we have people who handle everything hourly um, from cleaning to, to the um, overseeing the management. And then I do kind of, um, like I said, with COVID, I, I got back in there and I was like, um, I was doing as much as I could myself because we were just scrambling to try and get things um, get things to a stable place um, during the beginning of the pandemic. So, yep. Okay, she's saying, she says thank you. Um, another question, uh, if you will be asked, um, what is the better first real estate investment? Is it a single family home or a multifamily home? What do you prefer more? Um, I think it's going to depend on the situation and what you're trying to accomplish. But that said, I, I feel like most of the time multifamily will be better if it's if it's an apples to apples but you know if it's a nice neighborhood and solid property and all of that like multifamily uh will give you you know just going back to what i said earlier with the house hacking if if you can get a loan and and, and live in one of the units and get good terms on that loan um that would be the way to go and and you know move on and do it again after a year or two <laughs> but um yeah so so all things equal then i would lean towards the multifamily because i would think that it presents the better uh, opportunity for cash flow and for getting a better loan yeah okay thank you um how about um some tips on uh, how do you find uh, the due diligence on the pr these properties that you will be acquiring first. Um, do you get some uh, people to to do the due diligence, or do you do it yourself? Um, hmm. uh, due diligence in terms of like the property itself, um, yes. I, I leaned on, um, on contractors, the relationships I developed with contractors. Um, I would usually, like I said, a lot of our stuff needed a lot of rehab. So, um, we would be getting quotes from contractors usually, um, well, definitely in fact, before we would acquire a property, um, they were because we, you know, we were in a, in a fortunate position where we, we developed some good relationships and we were giving people work. Um, so they, they felt comfortable coming with us to look at properties because they were usually getting jobs from us. So, so yeah, I had contractors who helped us out with due diligence pretty often. Um, and then, um, and then occasionally inspections as well, when, where, where it seemed to make sense. 
And then as far as like just the neighborhood and, and, and whether it's a good investment in general, um, you know, you, you learn that, um, so you could, you could, you know, me not having a construction background, this was the area that I could learn, um, easily. And, and, you know, I, I, I talked to other people as well, but, um, yeah, as much information as you can get talking to as many investors and, and other people, uh, as you can. And, and, you know, you know, that some people are, are maybe not as knowledgeable, and so you have to take what they say with a grain of salt. And some people are talking to you with sort of a bias, um, whether that's because they they like other areas they invest in, or because they feel like they can get they can gain financially from you. Uh, so you know all of that into consideration. The most information, more information you can get, the better. And then sort of decipher what is what is accurate yeah yes thank you so much for uh for sharing it with us um also uh one last question uh what is the best piece of advice you would um tell our viewers if they are afraid of taking the leap of getting that mortgage to start their first uh, real estate investment uh (laughs) um you know, from my own personal experience, I'm saying that uh, not you know sooner is better. But again, if if you are prepared and if you if you feel like you've done enough um, research on on the properties that you may be investing in, um, you know I don't I keep. I don't want to make it sound like just do it and go and go without preparing. So definitely um, do that. But if you are just getting hung up on pulling the trigger, um, just know that it's, uh, uh, it's waiting doesn't, doesn't get you anywhere. So, I mean, if you, if you do it and it doesn't go perfectly or you even lose some money, I mean, um, I, I guarantee you will learn from that process, and uh, and and if you if you it's supposing, and you don't have to lose money on the first investment, but if you did, um, and you still want to continue investing, um, what you learned from that process will be totally worth um, the cost. So so that, so you know, don't don't be afraid if you've done if you've done your preparation. <laughs> Okay, thank you. Thank you so much, Eliza, for facilitating the question and answer portion. And, um, oh, our listeners would like to get your contact details, Maxwell. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I I posted my um, YouTube channel. I'd really appreciate it if you guys check it out. Like I said, I just launched last week. And at least for the next couple months, um, all of the content is focused on it's pretty much, it's mostly focused on real estate investing. So I don't know where it'll go long, long term, but um, I definitely have planned out a bunch of, of things that I think are valuable for, for real estate investors specifically. So you can go to YouTube and, you know, I'd love if you supported me that way. And, and then I'll, I'll interact with everyone that way. But also, I'll also post my email um, down in the chat box so you can send me an email as well. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Maxwell. Any other questions coming from the audience? Uh, 
Well, if there's none, you always have Maxwell's email to give him, uh, you know, your message. But for now, it looks like we're running out of time. Thank you so much yeah. so, for sharing. Uh, somebody is asking, um, I guess not everybody can see the chat. So I'll just say my YouTube is called Fire Walking Journey. Um, fire walking is just a term that my wife and I came up with for for the whole fire concept. So fire walking journey is a YouTube um, and the email to reach me uh, for for anything related to real estate and investing is Glocal Jacks. That's G-L-O-C as in Charlie A-L J-A-X. So G-L-O-C-A-L-J-A-X at gmail.com. All right. Thank you so much, Maxwell. And thank you so much, everybody, for sharing your afternoon with us. And we look forward to seeing you again next week for another episode of Real, Ed Real Estate Investing Hot Trends. Thank you and enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you, Maxwell. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Are we off? All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, talk to you later. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.